What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. we got Buchanan today. Busy guy, moving and shaking around the country. We finally got him locked down for some time here to talk a little bit about the LSU game, but more so just quarterback play in general, what he wants to see from Jackson Dart. Going forward, some receiver issues, drops, and everything in between. So I think it's a pretty good conversation. Hopefully you will enjoy it. And then we've got fresh cuts with LB's Greg and Skybox to round out the week. So buckle up. Great Friday show. Hopefully your uh, weekend is underway already. Maybe you're traveling. Hopefully safe travels wherever you're headed. But uh, before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by a new sponsor, Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. Ray is a licensed real estate agent based in Oxford. He works for Square Real Estate. Whether you're looking to buy a five-bedroom dream home or a two-bedroom condo in Oxford, Ray can help you do that. Buy or sell. Whether you're looking to move from place to place, sell one condo, go to another, sell your house, go to another place, Ray can help to take the hassle out of that process. He provides individual service to each and every one of his clients. He takes pride in helping you find a home that you can cherish. Maybe you're coming up for the football games, tired of paying for the overpriced hotel rooms, asking friends for an extra room, whatever the case may be, you want to get a place of your own. I promise you, Ray can find you with a terrific place that fits in your price range and boom all of a sudden you got it squared away you own the place you can come up whenever you want to football baseball whatever maybe you're an Oxford local looking to go from one house to another he can take the hassle out of the home selling process and help you find a home that fits your needs to the next place you're going to whatever it is he is an expert in real estate in across Oxford he loves helping people loves working with people particularly Ole Miss people and can help you find the best home possible for your needs. All you have to do is give him a call, tell him you heard about it on the podcast, and he will hook you up. The number is 601-624-4824. Just give him a call, tell him what you're looking for. The home buying and selling process, whether it's a second property or your normal home, can be overwhelming, can be overcomplicated. He will take the hassle out of that for you, provide you with options that are going to fit your needs, fit your price range, and boom, you're good to go. It's good to work with people you trust. I wouldn't send you to someone I don't. He's a sharp guy. He works very hard, and he is an absolute rock star in the industry. Check him out, Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. If you're looking to buy or sell a property anywhere around Oxford, give him a call at 601-624-4824. Broker number is 662-832-7777. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix General and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. I'll keep this one real simple. Skybox is 20-9 and nine in their last 29 NFL plays. Have you gone 20-9? and nine? I doubt it. Sign up for Skybox now. Stop paying your bookie. And have him pay you. Reverse the cash flow. Check them out. Go find online skyboxsportspicks.com. Select the picks package that fits your price range. You can try it for a month, a week, whatever you want to do. I'd recommend go with the year-long sports, all sports access pass. You can go sports-centric, NFL, college, whatever. And then use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Again, Skybox, 20 and 9 in their last NFL picks. And up 200 units on the year in NASCAR. That's right. You read that correctly. 200 units. That is unbelievable, a remarkable year. We're going to get Mark Harris from Skybox NASCAR on to explain how he did it sometime soon. Check him out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here's Ryan Buchanan. All right, we now welcome on Jackson Prep legend, former Ole Miss quarterback Ryan Buchanan. 
Uh, what do you got? You're on the road this weekend, Fort Worth. Um, I was actually there last weekend. Uh, MC was out there. I did not get to play Colonial, but how was that? Man, it was it was pretty solid. Um, it was pretty fun. I'm, I'm wearing a vest from it, you know, acting like I've been here a time or two, except it's only been one time, and that was it yesterday. Uh, so, no, it was fun. I feel like I've been just driving, making that drive just for work between Fort Worth and Dallas, just back and forth. So, uh, got to know it pretty well, and it's been pretty weather, so it's been real nice. Yeah, I love it out there. We did uh, when I was one of the last things I did when I lived out there. We did the Rocket Mortgage when Burns came from behind like seven shots. That's just a very unique golf course. It's like very old fashioned. The clubhouse, very old fashioned, yeah. In general, yeah, no, it is. And they're doing they're about to do a twenty five to thirty million dollar renovation on it, completely like actually bringing into the twenty first century. I think in the next year. So uh, that's what some of these members were telling me. So the Charles Schwab is going to be like really. It's going to be there for a while. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of their longer-standing tour events. It was, it's the uh, longest one actually on tour in the same yeah, location. Okay, that makes sense. I remember hearing that now. It's a a cool place. Um, as it pertains to Ole Miss, they were not in a great place after last week. They uh, they got wild forty-five to twenty by LSU. Game started out really good. I talked to you about midway through the first quarter. I think maybe after a couple of drives, they get up seventeen to three. Even in that moment, it had less to do with the offense. It was more so how it looked defensively, even though they got a couple stops. It looked like, okay, they're going to have to keep going and going here. Like, can they get it to 21 or 24 to three, somewhere in that? Um, and that didn't turn out to be the case. But as it pertains to, like, the quarterback aspect of it in the start, the last time we talked, we were talking about how, you know, the lack of really kind of creativity in the passing game, they didn't do much against Auburn. But really those first couple drives, particularly on script, which Ole Miss is really good on script, they kind of did exactly what you were talking about. They had, you know, some easy throws. They threw it deep down the field, and Dart looked really, really good. Man, you're exactly right. And I called you because I was excited. And I was <laughs> excited because, like, I was – you know, we, we, regardless of what we were ranked or our undefeated schedule, I just never thought we've done, we've showed anything. I, didn't, I mean, I think we struggled. I mean, Tulsa giving us a run – getting behind in Vandy and letting Vanderbilt come back. I'm like, we just haven't done anything. And I thought that personally, I thought that came down to some play calling. And I was like, we are going to have to change something here. I mean, we really, really are. When we go into this game, we go into death Valley. And what I said before, like, I was like, you can't take a second year quarterback like this. And, you know, I say second year, I know he played some, yeah, you know, had some experience, um, over, you know, at USC before Jackson came over, but he should be warmed up pretty now. I mean, seven, Six games in, seven games in, he, he's pretty ready to go. But still, let's avoid the third and eight situations. Let's let's try to stay away from that. To do that, we cannot just run the ball in a read option, get stuffed in line of scrimmage for one to two yard gains. And we, we did a versus Auburn. We try to run the clock, and we don't have a good enough defense, which obviously we learned last week. We're going to have to put up points, and we're going to have to make Jackson get confidence early in a possession. To do that, it's not it, – it are certain ways to dial up for throwing the football – if you want to have guys go open, you go faster, put the defense on their heels and throw early in a possession. We come out, we do two-man routes. That's really easy to read. You know, a, let's say a dig or a basic from the outside, a whip on the inside, it's a hollow on the short side linebacker, it's your will linebacker. And, you know, you read it real quick, make a throw. You come back down, you know, you get a, let's say a seven-yard game. Great, it's second and three. Well, now we have a read option, but Lane gave him the option this week to throw that bubble route if you have numbers. If that safety is playing 10 yards off or strong safety to the field, screw the run, go throw it. And he did. Hit a great bubble route. Flipped his hips really, really quickly. Um, you know, hits that. Comes back. Now we got a first down for sure. We do a read option. Come out again. All right, now we're going over the top. 
and we did, and we completed it really, really fast. But he had two throws in, two or three throws before that, not too hard of throws. They're not third and eight. They're not setting their defense. They're not sending a blitz. They're on their heels. It's man coverage. Um, and so we did that, and we struck, struck – we, 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 it was perfect. Like, we struck this, struck that, and it was going fast. It wasn't one or the other. It was very balanced. And we let not just Jackson throw. It's making him look good, but really by our play calling, I think. And he, he proved it. I was so fired up. We come out the next drive and we do it again. And we take that same mindset. So now we got Mingo, you know, instead of like a two men to the field, it's just a guy that's cut his splits into the field. And Mingo runs a two step out, catch and throw it, you know, get tackled. Now it's second and four, or second and three. And it look, I mean, that's a run play that he's aboarding that I don't think, I don't know if Lane, Lane could have told uh, Jackson not to do that versus Auburn. But we hit these routes to where you always – it's on the quarterback. you got a million things you're thinking about. But, man, if it's man coverage and they're playing off five, six yards, take that pitch and catch. And so we did, and we went fast. We did the high-low routes. We got his confidence going early, and we didn't just take a long shot when it's expected third and nine. And we avoided those situations. We go up 14, then they come back at three or whatever it is, and then we have our field goal in the third time. This game was not – the defense is not not who we thought it would be, I guess. And when I think I think we know that. I'm here to talk – yes, we need to talk about quarterbacks and stuff, talking about this game. I don't think if – I think we should have kept that mentality because the way our, our situation is defensively, we have to still go fast and try to put up as many points as possible, not trying to take down the clock at the end of a quarter, end of a half settle for a field goal because this brings back memories of about four or five years ago, we're going to let up points. And that was working. When we dial back, Jackson is not as strong. Our receivers don't get as open. I, I think that is just does not fit us as well. Um, so from a 30,000 foot level, I think Jackson played well, real early. You could see the confidence in the way he was moving. You can see his quick, decisive decision-making. Um, you know, when things, when we started stalling, out going slower it did not help him and then obviously you know we hate the interception that he threw in the third quarter that's one of those um there really is no excuse I mean you know you're on the 12 yard line if you take a snap and you have a guy coming at you nine out of ten quarterbacks are chunking out that out of the back end zone it's just so you think to obviously natural eye like you know people just watching home he gets hit the ball sails to the left you think oh whatever he got hit not his fault but you're saying he held on to that too long yeah yeah no i mean you have enough time you take that it was his front side i mean it's not a blind side back but you know back shoulder hit you kind of take that your your peripheral vision could pick up you can't you you can't wait and let me wait an extra second see if i can make this throw you know it's the third quarter <laughs> I'm down the 12 yard line. This is, we got to get points. The second you take that, you go, oh, oh shit, I'm tossing. Like, I'm tossing. We're, we're living another down. You're not getting around that. I mean, you can say, well, maybe give your guy a chance, but because he waited, he threw it three yards on the inside. I mean, it wasn't even an opportunity. It was just a layup, duck, you know, interception. You know, off the second, again, it's like when you do a boot and there's a guy coming off the edge that's screaming at you, and you try to hold it on and wait for – you know, and then you take a sack. You, you know some of these in a split second, or he will next year know it, that you go – you take it, he's coming free. Man, I'm tossing that thing. you like, it's out of bounds. I'm not even trying to – you don't have enough time. Sometimes if you had, like, an extra second, you may could get that off and maybe give your guy a shot. But it was so 
off the bat of him coming free that you just got to throw it away. You can't even get that perfect to try to let your guy have a chance. And, and it showed. I mean, he missed – that's – you know, he missed three yards to the inside because he was hit while he was throwing. So, he just should have gotten rid of that earlier. Yeah, and so – and then you, you talked about kind of the bigger picture of it. And we're here to, like, focus on the offense and the quarterback part of it. But, like, I wrote in the newsletter this week, I spent a lot more time on the defense. Um, because, as you kind yeah. of succinctly put it, you know, I don't think we – we they aren't who we necessarily thought they were. And that's necess- that's why. The offense wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But they can win with that level of offense, and I think, and how they played, um, you know, on the road in the SEC. I thought Dart p- passed more tests than he failed on Yeah, Saturday. he definitely did. Now, definitely look, did. not scoring in the second half is tough, right? I mean, they, they're now four out of their seven games they haven't scored in the second half. That's not a great trend. I guess we'll get into that piece of it real quick. Like, clearly it's not as simplistic as, oh, they just can't score in the second half. That doesn't make any sense. But can you find any common yeah. thread as to why that is happening where they get bogged down and they just are struggling in the second half? This one they were chasing the game for the first time all year for the bulk of it. Yeah. But there has to be some sort of thing. I mean, I, I've, I thought it was a combination of – you know, we go up early, and when you play conservative, you don't score points. I mean, you do a lot of three and outs, but you take clock off, so that kind of makes sense. Like, you shouldn't – you're winning the game, right? I mean, so yeah. – but this is the first time that we've been behind and we had to put up points, and it didn't seem like – I just – I may be wrong, and I was kind of – I watched that first half, and the second half I was living in the middle of going to a wedding. I mean, I watched it on my phone in the back of the pews. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. I was trying to keep my mouth shut, but – I was uh, I was kind of in and out for a little bit, but I'm not sure if we went. Did did we go as fast and up tempo as we did those first? Truly, those first two possessions, like comparing the first two to three possessions, did it feel like we had that intensity? Like later I, I, on, I didn't think so. And you mentioned the conservative aspect of it, and then isn't there just a simple human nature mindset of you know you can talk about continuing to play fast and continue to stay sharp, and that's all true. But isn't there just a human nature aspect of it that there's not the degree of desperation when you come out for a drive up two scores versus being – Exactly. No, that's right. It's way different. You're right. Yeah. And so I think that's piece of it. But then the other part of it was, too, LSU started snuffing out the run. Ole Miss ran for 116 yards in this game, but they only did it at 3.6 yards a carry. They were obviously without Zach Evans, which hurt. They got Ulysses Bentley back, but he was clearly not like not healthy or close to it. I think – right admitted that on Monday so you're down to one running back LSU starts snuffing out the run and then they bring Harold Perkins in the game a guy who was kind of he was the number one linebacker in the class last year he'd been kind of swimming a little bit as a freshman and I don't know LSU scheme but it seemed like they used him in this game more of it as a pass rusher around the line of scrimmage to just go I mean bull rush is the wrong term but just go get after the quarterback he was kind of not a pass rush specialist but not your typical inside the box linebacker and he really preyed on Micah Pettis in particular. And it got to the point in the game where the pass rush or the pass blocking was starting to break down and Dart got hit a lot. He had that one yeah. um, run in the first half where he gets the wind knocked out of him. I don't know if that necessarily affected him for the rest of the game, but it seemed like a combination of being up, then all of a sudden you're not, and you're kind of out of that rhythm. And then OSU kind of made Ole Miss a little bit more one-dimensional, particularly when they get a lead and they kind of pin their ears back and the pass protection wasn't as good. And that's what I wanted to get to next is, when you're in a game and you're taking a lot of hits, how does that affect you? I know you can try not to let it affect you, but when you're getting hit frequently, you're getting pressured frequently, you're getting flushed frequently. Like what, like how can you describe how that wears on a quarterback throughout a game? It wears a lot. And it's not like, it's not pain. Like, like I said, like some people may think like, well, you're getting hit a lot. Like 
you're worried about getting hit. It's not pain. I mean, you can lower your shoulder and have a massive fit on the side. It's not that. It's like, yeah, if you're getting that much pressure, if you if you try to hit a crossing route that's, you know, he's not open yet, but and you have a lot of time, you can sit there in that pocket for one extra second, make a great throw across the middle. If you've been getting hit a lot, if you try to throw that ball, there may be a guy coming screaming that you don't see because you've gotten hit right after you threw it. He may hit you while you're taking your arm back. It's fumble, it's a fumble, and they pick up. You know, I mean, for the let's say you're worried about getting hit and feeling that pressure makes you get out of the pocket a little earlier because you, your internal you may clock. make a mistake. You may, yeah, you have an internal clock. The second that internal your body gets programmed to that, to where like you go set hut one, two, three, crap. You know, like I gotta start looking. Like I gotta look for my way out. I gotta, you know, Russell Wilson can kind of sneak his way out there a little bit, or you know, like Jackson's done a pretty good job, but you have that internal clock. And if it's an internal clock that's been lasting longer, like versus Kentucky, then you feel more comfortable to make that throw. You mean to, to hit your route over the top. That's taking a little bit longer to get open because you're waiting to see if a safety was biting down on a mid route or to see him go over the top. And like, again, you're getting smoked after the play and you're just worried, you know, look, you're going to fumble or something. If you keep holding on that internal clock is makes a big difference. If you can't pass protect you have to pass protect. But again, like the only way I see if we can't hold that line and they're throwing blitzes, go as fast as we did earlier. I mean, run down the field and throw a quick bubble screen. Okay. Now they finally widen out the bubble screen. They got guys outside the box. Now we can run it, you know, on five on five or something like that. I mean, so we're really, you know, so inside the box, you're six, seven guys in the box, not eight because we have them spread out. And then the second they come back in, let's take them. We have man coverage. Like that pass play, it's a run play. We can throw that and take the Mingo one-on-one shot or back shoulder. They're called passing. I mean, their secondary was vulnerable when we went fast. So we're trying to do a pass play with these deep crossing routes. We love running our Mingos deep across that field. Well, buddy, it's taking a long time to get, I mean, we're getting hit, you know, we're getting flushed out of the pocket I mean, if we went fast and had this RPO stuff, which we hit earlier, you're avoiding that pass rush. I think guys can get open a little bit quicker, and it's harder to for them to set their lines and find pressure and find guys that are hunting us, like you said earlier, and take that shot that's one-on-one coverage when it's a run play on first down. Like, make the pass plays there. Now, if we were pass block, we have a strong pass blocking game, then I would say let's dial up a little bit. Let's have some rub routes. Let's Let's do some – longer crossing deep overs etc but if we can't hold that that's we need to rethink this and i think when you get when you get that way offensively you have to go back it feels weird coming out going that fast in the third quarter and playing like that you do at the beginning of games and we saw it and it worked i just think we got to start relying on that type of speed in my opinion and that's maybe something they learned about themselves in this game because they haven't had to do that this year Right. Um, like they, they haven't really trailed. They haven't had to go fast. They've run a, you know pretty steady on the ground attack. That's really the first time that that hasn't worked. And, you know, it, 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 look, I, I think there's probably room for more in-game adjustments. Like you said, it's not absolving the coaching staff, but that is harder to do in-game. Whereas on Monday, right. you can kind of look back and go, okay, we need to maybe start gravitating toward this. I bet they'll see it. I mean, man, that film was so impressive, those first two and three drives. I mean, it, it wasn't just Jackson was impressive, which he was. I mean, seeing just you get in there. And yeah, I love remember seeing Mingo cut his splits in and they have inside, they're on the inside leverage. We can get, just throw the ball to his outside shoulder, two-step, quick out, catch. Like playing like that was like a quick pitch and catch. And we just, 
we put them on there. It's going to look good on film, seeing how that worked. And then we do a smash route, just hollow the defensive back. And it just worked good. And then I, I, hopefully they see, like, man, this is how we're going to have to play. We're going to have to put up points and never stop. One last thing on the pass rush, like pass rush part of it. You mentioned the internal clock speeding up. For you as a quarterback out there, can that ever get zeroed into one guy? Like, clearly their best pass rusher, whoever it is, best player on the field, you have to know where he is. You know, you know where he is. But it's let's say Perkins gets to you five out of seven dropbacks. Do you start like looking for an individual player more? Like I know he's coming, so I got to get rid of it. Does it ever get boiled down to one guy? I mean, no, not really, because you have to look at the rotation of the safeties. Their front is it a five man front? Is it? They, I mean, a Sam. They man, there's so many different blitzes they could throw. They could show like they're blitzing a strong safety, and then before you lift your knee or however you put your hand down to get the snap, they rotate the other way and like. You know, look, you can't focus on just one guy. I, you know, it'd be, it, you just got to slide right or left and based off what blitzes are doing. Now, if he's been coming a lot, I mean, you don't want to slide toward him is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that you're taking a big risk there. But if he's been bringing what the blitz is from his side the last couple of plays, then that may give you a determination. And then you mentioned to the kind of can they continue this theme of going fast and figure out that works better for them. It feels like all year we've been talking about how – Dart, you know, makes one or two big mistakes a game. They need he needs to dial it back. He needs to dial it back. Do you think the fast, like quick shots go into, you know, really quickly in that up tempo can actually work to the advantage of a guy who's just that naturally aggressive? I feel like we've gone in reverse this year. Where it's like he needs to dial it down. They got a good running game. But do you think No, that no, yeah, that makes that's what I'm saying. That makes him play so much better. And then like I would play better. Nine out of ten quarterbacks that are passing quarterbacks would play better. Your brain's working faster. Guys are on their heels. You're not throwing at expected times. They don't have time to throw many blitzes at you because yeah. they're gonna play man coverage. You know you're gonna play man coverage, and we have a good enough guys that can win. I'm t- like going fast. When I say go fast, it's just it, man, you're processing quicker and they don't have crap thrown at you. And you're avoiding that. It's a lot of man coverage because they don't have time to get set. If they do it, they'll give you like a cover three look, like pretty simple one high type look, and and you roll with it. Like it's and and that 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 suits you know. Now look, if you're a fourth year quarterback, you can set blitzes, give a fake play call, see what side of the safeties are rotating. All right, never mind. Abort that play. Slide this way. Like that takes years to do. Well, you go fast and, 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 you know, give, if you look out to your right and you see it's press coverage to the field, give them a hand signal and change that hitch to a fade and catch and throw, you know, and like that, that, that that's what's going to help him and it's playing fast. And the, one of the bigger issues that, that was from this game that I think we probably saw looming, but it wasn't showing up in the numbers was the offensive line issues. And particularly as it pertained to pass blocking in this game, like Ole Miss entered the Auburn game like having allowed the third fewest sacks in the country at like two. But even then, you're like, that doesn't really match with the eye test, what I'm seeing every week. And I think it finally came to fruition that last week against LSU. And I think Dart's mobility has probably masked some of the sack numbers. It probably has, yeah. Better. But everyone, we always talk about pocket presence with quarterbacks, particularly in the college level. Like Shea Patterson was terrible at it, man. First sign of trouble, that guy was out. Like, way right, out. He bailed. Man, he bailed early. Oof, it frustrated me. And like Dark's pocket presence is, I'd say up and down, but generally been pretty good at least to the. Next I think it's time. been good. No, I think I think it's been a pretty good presence. I don't think it's as it's nothing like shade. I mean, for sure. You know, while pockets breaking down more consistently when you face better defensive lines, can your pocket presence be negatively affected by that, particularly with a young quarterback? 
uh, where he's, wait, what did you say that again? It was kind of breaking you know, up. Now that they're starting to play better defensive lines, the pass block yeah. is a little bit of an issue. You mentioned the fact that they need to go quicker and have quicker plays. But can your pocket <laughs> presence, particularly as a young quarterback, be negatively affected by – you know, a, a lot of breakdowns in pass protection, if that makes sense. Like if they start getting to you more pockets break down quicker, can that make your pocket presence get worse? Uh, I don't know about worse. I mean, I think you adjust to it. It, it, it may even make it better. I mean, you feel like you, you realize what you can get away with, and what you can't get away with. Like you've used to, you know, you have an LSU one week. I mean, look, let's say we had an, a pretty easy team or had like a central Arkansas this week. It, it'll feel like a cakewalk after coming out of that. Like I want to say like, you're not going to still look to bail because you're still – you can feel it out. I mean, you can see it right when you get a snap if a guy's coming, like, because you have a six-man protection, you have five-man, you slid five – you know, your guys to the right, and then there's – you take the snap and some guy's coming off the edge, you know, to the left. You kind of – you realize – you'll realize off the bat who's picked up and who's not. And if you're – I just think our playing less teams, it's going to be a lot easier to adjust to that. It's just harder because we're going the other way. I mean, we haven't played – too bad hard of a defensive front. Then we just went into LSU. So it's adjusting for everyone, not just Jackson. Um, and I think we'll get better with it. But I don't think it would negatively affect. Okay, that makes sense. And then along those lines is, you know, we talk about like, oh, I actually thought the offense passed more tests than they failed. I think that's probably unequivocally true. And you talk, this is a larger conversation, largely for another day. But if you want to take a silver lining out of this game, do you think this game is enough to like prove that, hey, they have a talented quarterback that they can build around for 2023 and beyond? Like this guy has it. Because the thing I was probably most impressed about was, I don't know, there was a scenario in this game going in your first road environment, Jackson could throw two picks early, make two terrible decisions, and then you're chasing the game early. And he didn't do that. They didn't lose the game because he wasn't built for that moment. Did you come away thinking the same thing? Yeah, dude, He, I think, I think he looked great. I mean – it's just very key moments. You got to know where you are in the game. Like, again, we were playing from behind. I said this three weeks ago, and people were talking about Jackson. I go, he has not. It's easy. You asked me, is it is he taking care of the ball? I said, it's easy to take care of the ball when you're up, when yeah. you're up by 21 to three. I said, it's just, it's different. If you're trying to come back and you, it's like it, whatever it was, nine minutes in the third, and you're down by seven or 10, 13, you're in the opposing red zone on second down. Like, you don't have to score. You can take a field goal here. You want to, but if you turn it over, game's over away. And when he threw that pick, that was an obvious – it wasn't like, you know, made a bad throw or wrong read. That was just trying to do too much. I mean, just catch it and get rid of it. You got to know how important that is to be on that side of the field to keep your ball game, you know, your team in the ball game. So, I think that's uh, – I think he played pretty well outside of that. I mean, he has a ton of talent. He's our – looks like a future quarterback to me really to, to run our team and I have the utmost confidence in him. It's just knowing, uh, you know, being a mature quarterback, not just making these fun athletic throws, but you got to know the situation of saying toss it right away when you're in that situation when you throw a pick. The running game wasn't there for the first time this year. And some of it was because of how limited they were at the court at the running back position with no Evans and Ulysses Bentley being kind of gimpy. I'm just curious for you having played alongside a lot of good running backs you know, the, the common narrative is like the Derrick Henry days are over. The ability to give a, a guy the ball 30, 25, 30 times is just not as sustainable. And this may be a hard question to answer, but the fact that you only have one healthy running back back there, can that affect the play calling one? And then the second part of that question would be, how exactly does that affect the running back throughout a game? Can you sense it when the, the, a guy's your only option, he's 22 carries in a game, can you sense the fatigue and the toll he's taking? Like, how does that actually work? Is that overblown? 
Uh, it's hard to tell, man. They're because they'll have they'll throw one guy in there for a rest. You know, once it's back on first down, I mean, it's, you, even in the NFL, you'll see that. Like it's like three out of four snaps or one running back. And uh, I mean, Quintron still looks solid in there. I mean, he's not. We you know, when we had Zach, we would really run seven times in a row with both of them. You know, we'd have a lot of run plays in a row. Um, yeah, we can't do it that aggressively, but in a possession, if we need to run three out of four downs, Quinshawn can do that. When it comes first down, we'll probably bring in somebody else and throw a quick hitch to give them a break. Um, I don't really know. I haven't played the position. I mean, we've always had guys going in and out. I mean, it was Jalen Walton, Jordan Wilkins. I mean, all these guys went, went, went in and out. So I, I don't know. I mean, I felt like he looked rusty. He didn't look too tired to me, too terribly tired, but I felt like they could draw up another play to give them rest when they need to. They're going into A&M this weekend, a team that appears to be in shambles, but they can run the football effectively. Um, from a defensive standpoint, that's going to be another good defensive line that they play. Like, is there anything you want to see more from the offense this week beyond the tempo piece of it? Like, is there anything else you're kind of looking for that you're interested in this week? Or is it mainly just going fast the whole game? I mean, it's it, – no, I mean, the re, I, look, coming out, go fast, I would say that. I mean, I don't know how strong they are defensively. I don't think it's going to be like LSU. I just know when you play better teams and you're getting pressure and you can't pass block, you need to refer to go fast to get ahead of them. Obviously, Alabama's the number one thing. That's how we beat them almost three years in a row. I mean, we took that approach. So, that's what I'm thinking. Obviously, got to do versus Alabama to even have a somewhat of a shot in that game. Again, AM is not a strong team, but look, there's gonna be a hundred thousand people there. I mean, I mean, they're they're kind of fight for their season to hang on. I mean, we need to be eight and one going into Alabama. We have to be. I mean, that's and so I mean, yeah, our season's kind of on the line too, about seeing where we finish. And a lot of rebels have talked about it. It's not an easy way to finish, man. I mean, Arkansas AM State, and we're going at Alabama. So, I mean, yeah, we got, we, and these are on the road. So this is tough. It's on the road. I would say, I think, I would say we would take care of business at home because we've been playing really, really well at home. But this is a way. It's not an easy, it's not an easy one. Um, we'll see how our defense holds up. And I just, I, I, I hopefully, I like them going fast because I've seen how successful it was. I mean, it went, went two for two versus LSU and Death Valley coming out like that. When we've done it a few other times, it's looked great. So, We'll see. I don't know how strong their D-line is. We have such a good running game. I don't know how strong the D-line is. Stop it. If they start stuffing us in the line of scrimmage and they contain us on our outside sweeps, all right, it's got to be in Jackson's hands then. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, real quick on that piece of it, a and is going to start the five-star freshman, uh, Weidman or Weidman, however you say it. Do you know anything about him? I just asked because he's a younger kid. He was highly rated going out. Do you know anything about him? Man, I have no idea. I hope he's not another Miles Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So that, I mean, it's a game Ole Miss should win. And I can already see how this is going to play out, right? Everything going into this game from a national perspective standpoint was, eh, I don't know if Ole Miss is that good. They haven't played anybody. They certainly do, didn't do anything to garner favor in the other direction. I don't think the national conversation about this team is going to change, even if they beat AM and look pretty good. And so kind of paralleling that forward and rolling it forward into a question, if they get to 8-1, and they're going to – assuming Alabama takes care of a business against LSU – um, next week in uh, Tiger Stadium, that game is going to be a pseudo matchup for the West. Whoever wins that game is going to have a great chance to win the SEC West. Alabama will literally lock it up if they win it. Ole Miss will have to get through, you know, one of their two final games to have a shot, I think, depending on how the LSU point brings out. But I guess my point being is no one's going to really give Ole Miss a shot in that game from a national perspective. Not that that really matters, but is there is the whole nobody's given us a shot thing ever actually a real sense of motivation within a locker room? Yeah, I mean, if look, if you 
I definitely think that is. I mean, it's I'd always you would always rather be the underdog than the guy that's highly ranked. I mean, that's just it's just in any sport, and you have that more of a dog mentality when you are the underdog. I mean, I definitely think that's a real thing. The um, and then the, on the last part of that is like, you know, we talked about Jackson and kind of passing the test, and if he looks good again this week, despite all the defensive struggles, like, are you to the point where? Like, even though you don't necessarily think they'll beat Alabama, are you to the point where the old adage, if you have a quarterback, you have a shot type of thing is true? Because against in 2020 against Alabama, Ole Miss was in a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Now, I don't think I know, yeah. they were losing that game, them being Alabama, because Ole Miss couldn't stop anyone defensively. But they were in that game because they had a really good quarterback in Matt Corral and decent weapons. Are you to that point with Dart in this offense yet, if it comes to it, like they do have a chance because they have a good enough quarterback? Uh. I mean, not yet, because you gotta you gotta make a smart decision late. You can't you can't throw it away at the very end. I think you can be that quarterback like in the first quarter. I think you can be that quarterback up until half. The third and fourth quarters is 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 really what's he has. And he has it's nothing wrong. It's just he hasn't been in that situation. It's tough until he faces that for a year, I would say. Um, and and then again, that's what can we saw versus LSU that hurt us. So. And that's what it's going to come down to is this third and fourth quarter. So, I mean, I think you can look great and have that fight versus them for sure. We just got to see him take care of the ball, be smart, get points when you need to, and understand the situation of where we are in a game and what we need to accomplish instead of being a little bit more careless, I guess. Um, and, it, it, again, he's got to go through those situations to learn from them. The, uh, this isn't even necessarily pert- as it pertains to Dart, but the, just the Alabama thing brought it up. Is there anything to the quarterback aspect of, like, say a pitcher in baseball, like Armando Galarraga should have had that perfect game. That guy was like a four ERA guy for the rest of his MLB career. But my, my God, that day he was Nolan Ryan. Zach Calzada beats Alabama last year, has the game of his life, did not look remotely similar as quarterback before or since. It, can guys like quarterbacks get in a rhythm where they just have a game of their life like that and then it never happens again? Again, that's not even really a dark question. I'm just curious, like, is that true at all? Like, what do you make of that? I mean, I like like Kenny Trill. Remember him? Yeah, he went off like six touchdowns versus South Carolina. Then goes to TCU and like don't really you know AM or the wherever he went. I can't remember. Like five A&M. games later, he wasn't very good. I think he got. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, like yes, it no doubt can happen because your game plan works. I mean, if you have a game plan, you're in terrible weather conditions and just they're literally everything you do, they're stopping. I mean, we lost to TCU and the. Uh, Chick and the Chick Fil A Bowl, they knew exactly where we were running the ball every time. That's where we couldn't put up anything. Yeah, Patterson knew like, well, we have a tight end stacked on this side. They're going to counter back here, and our coaches admitted that to us after the game. Like, they literally had our number because they figured out our hand signals or our sets. So, yeah, quarterbacks look pretty bad that game, and it's not just knowing what pass patterns. They know what defenses to call for what sets. So, like. You go into Alabama in 2014 and 2015, and they turn the ball over a lot. Well, you're getting the ball as a quarterback in 2015. Our defense had five, and special teams had five turnovers. So, Chad and our offense would start the ball on the 30-yard line of the opposing 30-yard line. <laughs> we run two plays and we score, and you get stats, you get t- – you know what I mean? Like, you can – that that was – now, that's not always the case. I mean, in 14, we didn't have Alabama that turned over five times. But – uh you know, our offense is working perfectly. When we thought they would play man coverage, we would send a running back before the play, the middle linebacker would clear out, and then we would go opposite up. You know, like it was like it worked perfectly, and you're just making a simple bubble pass to the side that runs for 32 yards. And my, I mean, and you get the stats for that. So, like, when things work, and it's working real well, 
it can almost be overinflated, but it, that's why you have to do it over a long time. I mean, so I can see these guys like popping off for a game or two because it was schemed up so well. Yeah, so you're, that makes a lot of sense. It's less of a guy turning into Johnny Unitas and everything around him just perfectly aligning as well as him playing pretty well. It's more. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, right. Right. Last thing I have for you is uh, about drops. Um, Casey Kelly had a big one at that point of the game. It was another three and out. Um, yeah. it's not necessarily to pick on Casey Kelly. It's more about the quarterback psyche of drops. Clearly, I don't think you guys, if a guy drops a couple balls, you're like, yeah, not going to him again. But what is that relationship like between a quarterback and a pass catcher that is struggling with drops? Does it affect your confidence in them at all? Do you just keep going to it because it is the offense? Like, what is that actually like if you know a guy's struggling to catch the football? Man, it's hard just to – you can't just say I can't throw to him because I'm worried he's in a slouch. I mean, dude, things happen a million miles an hour. If the read tells you he's got leverage, he's the throw, and then you're like, oh, he's, he's the split second later, he hasn't caught. I'm going to throw it out wide. Well, now you're a second late, and that wasn't the right read. Someone's going to undercut that for a pick six. You can't do it. That guy, you you got to run your offense. You got to go for what schemes and the, what defense they are playing to get on the ball. Now, I do know you can't get like in a slump of talking to guys that played the receiver like, having the yips catching the ball and uh you know the the solution is either put another guy in there that will catch the dang football because that is what the defense like you know what i mean you got to run with the defense giving you You get pressure you got to throw it you got to hit your little five yard out to your tight end you have a corner out they're not covering you got to throw it i mean you know other guys are covered or you're throwing an interception so they got to find a solution to put someone else in there or, you know, find a way to get his mojo back. But that, yeah, I mean, they definitely do get in slumps of catching. I mean, you know, Evan had a couple, you know, big time drops and kind of got in his head, but then also Evan had some really unbelievable catches, but, you know, has gotten his head though before on it. He is Ryan Buchanan. Terrific stuff as always, my man. I really enjoy these conversations. We'll holler at you again next week. Good deal. Was Ryan Buchanan. I appreciate his time as always. We'll check back with him next week. Now we're going to get to LB's Greg and Skybox. I'll remind you, Greg needs no introduction, but LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. If you're a Rippy Ride subscriber, that's rippyrides.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16 ounce prime strip and a, for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. Go get that kickstarted. Just show Greg proof subscription. Kick off the grueling weekend right, then go find your own favorites at LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Here is LB's Greg and Skybox with our picks. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. Check him out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. It is another edition of Fresh Cuts. It is like, what, like week nine of this. Um, week eight in the NFL, college football rolling into week nine. It is uh, Halloween weekend. It's really, I think I said this on like three straight podcasts now, but it really is absurd how quickly this flows by that we're about to be through October and Ole Miss has three games left, or excuse me, four games left. It's it's pretty nuts. But it's October. Yeah, it is October, baby. Wow, man, that time flies whenever that fo college football gets going. So yeah, um, Halloween will be here before you know it, and uh, the Grove, um, the um, the Egg Bowl will be here before you know it, and uh, who knows? Yeah, but uh, time flies when you have fun with college football. Do you dress up for Halloween? No, I mean I could, you know, just be myself and say, hey, I'm a meat man you know um so i've got that going for me but no i i i try not i try not to dress up a meat horseman i don't really either uh i've had back all the way up till i was like 15 i got really into it they do like a halloween contest in school i'm glad i did it 
like I don't I wasn't growing up like now because I'd probably gotten canceled. Like I went as Michael Vick one year and had like a couple dogs like strapped to my belt. Oh um, wow. Yeah, I did that at school and like people thought it was hilarious. I don't think that would ever fly nowadays. Uh but <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, they uh, uh they have some loose rules over there at Jackson Academy. Yeah, no kidding. I would have been like did uh, well, by the time I got to my senior year, they'd have just been like, All right, "Let's get this kid out of here." But uh, I had a little bit longer leash back then. I did like a s- inflatable sumo suit one year, but uh, I haven't dressed up in uh, for Halloween in quite a while. Probably not changing that trend this year. But hey, if that's your thing, enjoy being dressed up out there for uh, Halloween. Before we get to the picks, what's uh, what's going on at the store? What do uh, what we got rolling this weekend? Well, um, yeah, just uh, I just got back from Lexington, so I kind of had a little mini vacation and. Uh... Yeah, I'll probably be making some ribeye sausage today, and uh, we're going to run some sales this weekend. We're going to do the lane trains, two for 20. Uh, everything in the fish in the uh, freezer is $3 off this weekend. So when you come in and you mention the podcast and you said, wait, are y'all doing $3 off in the freezer this weekend? Yes, we are. So uh, $3 <laughs> off in the freezer this weekend, and uh, yeah, we'll be open um, all weekend, ready to go. I love it. That is, uh, you heard it from the man himself. He needs no introduction. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue in Oxford, and go take advantage of those deals. I have a great question. So I was thinking about this. I should have asked this last week. Um, when you hooked my uh, MC's dad up so generously, there was also a, a juice stick or two included in there because they have a dog that lives like a human. Its name is Leo. It's one of those uh, uh, for golden doodle things. The, the guy lives a better life than I do. I'll put it to you that way. Can humans eat juice sticks? What actually goes into this thing? Um, no, I don't think it. I mean, you know, I, I think it's called a dog stick for a reason. So okay. um, with that being said, no, it's an all natural beef product. Uh, it's a guy who takes uh, all the trimmings um, and just, you know, break, basically grinds it up and smokes it to a three foot stick. And you can break it off and give a little piece or you can give them the whole thing. I wouldn't recommend the whole thing because it's basically food, you know? So, but yeah. Uh, but yes, I don't recommend humans eating the dog, dog sticks. The only reason I asked is it looked like a slim Jim and I wasn't actually going to take a bite. Although if you give me like a couple more drinks that you probably could have convinced me to, but I was like, damn, that looks like a slim Jim type of thing. But basically what you're telling me is it's just like a dog hot dog scraps. And yeah. Yeah. I don't one. think your teeth would appreciate the, uh, the dog stick, uh, um, uh, slim Jim, um, th- uh, thinking, um, but it, it's definitely not a slim Jim because, I think once you bite into it, it doesn't break like Slim Jim. It, it you know, it, it gives. So, okay. um, okay. yeah, so yeah. Um, be, um, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't bite into the dog stick. Let your dog bite into the dog stick. All right. Well, uh, noted, noted. Let's, uh, let's get into the picks. We've got a, uh, a decent slate of games this week. I can't tell you I love any of these lines. This fell, uh, this reminded me vividly of two weeks ago when we got to the NFL picks and we're like, Geez, all of these lines suck. There's some weird ones in college football, so uh, be wary out there, my friends. Skybox is going to roll with us through the college picks. Then they will drop off for the NFL because those NFL picks are behind the paywall. I would highly recommend going and getting those because uh, Skybox over the last two weeks is 19-9 and nine plus 10.7 units in the NFL. Uh, I guarantee none of you out there going off your own brain are doing those kind of numbers and uh, you're probably tired of paying your bookie. So I'd probably just go with Skybox. But hey, what do I know? And then the icing on the cake, I I had a double they've take. Got a, they've got the NASCAR pick, and I think they were plus like. Oh, yeah. 
34 units uh, in the last race or something like that. Something, it is even something really louder. Solid. 42 units on Sunday and 60 units for the entire racing weekend. I mean, you know. That is um, pulling weight. I, I, I feel bad for people having to listen to us to, you know, get the skybox picks. But, no, just go straight to the skybox and get you, get you taken care of. Yes. <laughs> skybox. You know, just sit back and be like, like uh, who do I have in this game? And then you look at your piece of paper like, oh, yeah, skybox has these people on there. You know, so, um, so yeah, be like. Be like Dan uh, in Maryland that blames me that Rome Burgundy finished third place uh, yesterday because he thinks that we got a bad horse. <laughs> <laughs> you have some Rome Burgundy haters out there. That's a that's that's not what you want to hear. Yeah, well, uh, it's funny. The one Rome Burgundy hater we have is the, one of the actual owners, so it's kind of funny. So, uh, but no, he, Rome Burgundy raced yesterday and. Uh, you know, man, we ran into a, you know a monster and uh, lost by six lengths. But you know, we finished uh, a, a very game third place, and uh, the uh, the horse that beat us was a stakes place race. I mean, a stakes placed horse. So um, can't complain about Ron Burgundy hitting the board two out of three times, and uh, you know, own, earning a little over thirty thousand so far. So big future for Ron Burgundy. So uh, yeah, we're we're good. We just got to we got to try to make Dan happy in Maryland. The uh, that kind of reminds me of like the golfer that's like I hate this driver. It's like, buddy, it's the uh, it's not the arrow, it's the Indian pal. Uh, yeah, especially when you're going about two ninety right down the middle and you miss like three of uh, fifteen fairways, probably. Yes. <laughs> oh, that uh, that always cracks me up. The golf guy that's like I hate these clubs. I'm like, well, do you? Um. So let's uh. Oh, the last thing I had to get to, I had to double take on this. Um, just adding to NASCAR, Mark Harris, Skybox NASCAR, the man is just a wicked genius. I, I had to I had to double take to believe this is real. Do you know how many units he's up on the NASCAR season? Just a guess. I'm going to say over 100. That's for sure. You were halfway there, 200 on the season. Wow. Hey, yeah, you, and you, you know what? whole college football just bet on NASCAR. You don't have to watch it. It sounds like it's guaranteed money. Yeah, I mean that's what's so great about you know having the uh, having you know the guys pick pick them for you because you don't even have to watch the game. You just have to watch the final score and you just get surprised whenever you're like, "Wow, I cannot believe I took the Dolphins because I would never take the Dolphins and they were plus three and a half and they win the game." You know, so uh, yes, definitely trust uh, Skybox Sports Picks on everything. It would have a, it would be a funny thought like a exercise to have like a listener just bet his NASCAR board a couple of weeks in a row and then like report back on how that went. Like he has no idea what he's watching. Probably doesn't know whether he's winning or losing money until afterward. But just right. Yeah, he's like, "Where's De where's Richard Petty?" Like I heard he's yeah. really good. <laughs> where, where's the king? Where's Dale? Um, <laughs> I might uh, I might try that one week and just try to get in the mind of Skybox NASCAR, but uh Let's get into the picks. So uh, we'll start in the Big Ten country. We've got Penn State, Ohio State. You know, I think on paper this is probably one of the three best Big Ten games of the year. But Penn State's been a little bit underwhelming, and Ohio State looks like a real college football playoff contender. You know, I, I every year I have a hard time gauging these teams outside the SEC. Like, how good is Clemson? How actually good is USC? Same thing with Ohio State and Michigan this year. I'll tell you what, Ohio State speed looks like a real SEC team. Like, they they look like they're in a different category than every other team in that league. And I think this line reflects that. The game is at 11 a.m. It's in Happy Valley. I'm assuming that me it means it's that big noon kickoff show leading into the 11 a.m. game. So, Penn State is at home, but it is Ohio State minus 16 in Happy Valley. Where are you going here? 
Man, that's a lot of points. And, you know, kind of Michigan rolled up Penn State a a little bit, so I can't see why not, you know, Ohio State's just a better, you know, team all around. But you've got that home field advantage, and who knows, man. I I, um, You got to trust the system, and I just think there's too many points. I actually thought this line would be like uh, 10 and a half, but I'll take whatever I'm getting, but surely Penn State doesn't lose by two touchdowns at home. So if they do, you know, I guess Ohio State is the real deal. I'm going to lay it for pretty much all the reasons you just laid out. Like the, it, it seems like way too many points. Like if it's that high, like is Ohio State really that much better than Penn State? You know what I mean? Like if it was in uh, Columbus, like what is this? Oh, would it be like? 24 to half? 19? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So I'll roll with it. I'll lay Ohio State. Skybox is with you. So Skybox Sports Picks is going Penn State plus 16. I don't know. That'd be a stay away for me just because, like, I don't – again, I don't know what to make of that. Like, Penn State's a one-loss 13th-ranked team in the country. I don't love Penn State, but, you know, they have a veteran quarterback. They seem to run the football decently well, and they score a bunch of points. I mean, they've scored 40 points in basically every game they – or not every game, excuse me, four of six, uh, seven games they've played. Had that weird Northwestern one in the Michigan kind of exposed them, but I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. Let's go to the uh, – where are we going to go next? Oh, Big 12. Uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Big 12 having a hell of a year. They've uh, they produced some really awesome games. That TCU-Kansas State game last week was awesome. They've got some really good teams, really top to bottom in this league, and you got another huge one this week. This is probably a college football playoff elimination game. Kansas State's already got the two losses, but they, have a, they are still kind of in the driver's seat to get to the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma State, 6-1, 3-1. This game is in Manhattan, and it is Kansas State minus one and a half. Yeah, that's uh, the trap of all traps, I feel like. Uh, You know, maybe Oklahoma State just has trouble with purple teams because of um, them losing to TCU. So I'm going to go with the the purple team angle for this one. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas State. I like that. I uh, So I had to to sum up my year in Neil's picks just to a T – I had the gaff of all gaffs last week picking the Kansas State TCU game. I spent the entire like three sentences talking about the game, like praising how good TCU and impressive they were. They just figured out how to win in games, even though I don't know how like top end talented they actually are. So I spent the whole time doing that. It was a five and a half point line. I picked TCU. The only problem is, is I wrote in a five point score, which uh, that would mean I picked Kansas State to cover. So I think I triple faded myself, which is just indicative of how the year's going. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it is what it is. You, you, uh, with dyslexia and numbers and teams, it just happens sometimes. So uh, unfortunately, it didn't come out on the good side for you. I've been pretty good about uh, kind of in terms of like picking either for or against. Oklahoma State I picked against them against TCU now they lost the game I think they covered that four-point spread but I picked them last week to rebound against Texas I'm gonna go the opposite this week because I think Kansas State will rebound you know Kansas State was up 28 to 10 in that game last week and all hell just broke loose they lost 38 28 um really just let the game get away from them but I do think Kansas State's a good football team they got the Martinez kid that can run at quarterback and then Deuce Vaughn is one of the most electric players in college football to watch. If you watch this kid, that five-seven running back they have, he is absolutely yeah. a freak. Yeah, I, I like you know, and, and they they play him well. You know, they put him in the right spot. So yeah, uh, it's you know, like you were saying, the pack, the the Big Twelve has actually been kind of very entertaining this year. 
It really has. It's been my favorite league to watch by far. Deuce Vaughn, 5'6", 175 pounds. Uh, MC likes him because she says he looks cute next to the quarterback because he's so small. But that guy's here to rip your head off. There's nothing cute about him. I'm going to ride Deuce Vaughn in Kansas State here, and I think they rebound. I just don't trust Gundy's squad on the road. And Skybox is with us as well. They are going Kansas State minus one and a half there at home. Let's go over to Knoxville, two weeks removed from the biggest win and since God knows when for the Tennessee football program. They had UT Martin last week, which is some professional scheduling. That's uh, great stuff there on the part of Tennessee. But then they're getting Kentucky this week. And I feel like this game is not getting talked about very much. It is Tennessee minus 12. I just think Kentucky fully healthy is still a pretty good football team. And I think they play such a contrasting style to Tennessee that it really wouldn't shock me if this game got weird. You know, you have Kentucky, I don't know, say they get a three and out, then they kind of matriculate the ball down the field, have a seven, eight minute drive, score a touchdown. All of a sudden it's seven, nothing with, you know, two minutes and change going in the first quarter. And you're like, uh Oh, like, you know, we got something going here. It's Tennessee minus 12. I'll probably tip my hand on my picks. I'll let you go first, but I'm surprised this game is not getting talked about more. Maybe I've just had my head in the sand, but it, it seems more upset potential than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we don't know how healthy Will Levis is, but uh, I promise you he's going to be in that game, and uh, you're not going to keep him out of this game. So, you know, I, I really liked his interview after the after the uh, the South Carolina – or no, the Mississippi State game. He's like, look, everybody's hurt. I'm hurt. We're hurt. There's more people hurt. And, he, you know, that's just a real good team leader. I think that it's a very similar to the Kentucky Ole Miss game. You know, Kentucky wants to, uh, you know, frustrate you, you know, use all 35 seconds of the play clock, which, you know, some people like, some people don't. But, you know, if Tennessee uh, gets a couple three and outs and they're not moving the ball, I, I can't see why Kentucky can't control this, you know, the the game, the clock, and, you know, just frustrate Tennessee. And, you know, I, I think Tennessee's going to eventually win the game or find a way to win the game. But I like Kentucky in the points here just because, I feel like they'll slow the game down, and that's what happens when uh, when you when you play Kentucky. If you play their style of game, you kind of get into their uh, in, into their game plan, and they, that works out for them perfect. So I think it's going to be a. I like the under in Kentucky for some strange reason. I uh, oh, that's an interesting play. I'll look that up. What that is, real quick. Obviously, I kind of tipped it earlier. I, I'm with you. I just look. I don't know how good Ole Miss is. But that Kentucky team I watched that day in Oxford, just to me, I test-wise, was a pretty damn good football team. And I know the next week they don't have Levis. They throw an absolute stinker against a bad South Carolina team. Like, I, I, I'm not necessarily excusing or absolving that by any stretch. But that South day. Carolina team came back and beat Texas A&M. So, I mean, you True. can't, I mean, you know, you can't, you know, say it's a bad South Carolina team. But, I, you know, I, I like the situation here. I, yeah, I just I, th I think they're probably pretty good. Now, the offensive line scares me, but I think they can run the ball okay. So I'm going to take Kentucky in the points here, um, plus 12. The over-under 61, by the way. You might be on to something with that one. I was uh, expecting that. Well, I mean, tackling Chris Rodriguez 28 times. I mean, they're going to run him 28 times. I promise you. I mean, yeah. like, and tackling that guy 28 times wears on a defense. And, you know, it kind of sets up perfect for the play action because – you know, you have to keep an extra person in that box to, you know, to try to stop that run. So I think it's going to be a really good game. And it it, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if it was a, you know, a tied football game, you know, heading into the fourth quarter. 
the numbers nerds are fading us. They are going uh, Skybox is going with UT uh, Tennessee minus twelve. So I don't. I, I'm, I'm I mean, those high. jerseys do scare me. Those those jerseys do scare me. The all black looks really nice. I thought those looked nice too, and I don't even really like all black jerseys. I would say ninety five percent miss rate on the all black jerseys when schools try to do them. If that's not your natural color. Um, well, I, the Tennessee orange helps. The, I think the Tennessee orange trim helps. I mean, that, that is true. Makes, that, that makes I, but I, I agree with you. I think those looked awesome, and I'm usually a pretty, pretty strong uh, or opponent of that. Like I usually think, eh, all black jerseys. This school tried a little too hard. They don't look cool. Uh, but I'm with you on that one. I think those look cool. Let's go to the uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party or whatever they're calling it now that that I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore, but we can say it on this. We, podcast. We, uh, it's it's actually called the artist formerly known as the largest cocktail party. in the, it, There in, we in go. The That's how we don't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> it is Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville. Um, there's a little bit of a, there's some inklings about this game potentially not being in Jacksonville past the 2025 season. Um, of course, you're going to have Texas and Oklahoma join the conference. That's going to do something to the conference scheduling situation. I don't know exactly what, but I did find that interesting. Is this game's been in Jacksonville every year, you know, since whenever I, at least since I've been alive, I think, and uh, that might be coming to an end. I don't really have a strong opinion on whether that's a good or a bad thing. I think it's a cool, unique piece of like the SEC stuff. But uh, be that as it may, it is Georgia. I'm going off Skybox line, so I'll make sure that I have it right. It is. Georgia minus 22 there in Jacksonville. Where are you going here? Well, I've, I've, um, there's been some big lines in this game. And, you know, for some strange reason, it's always been a, a decent game. Man, I think Georgia's just on another level. And I think, you know, uh, Napier is, you know, um, trying to get his system uh, injected into, uh, into Florida because, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out for first-year coaches and they need an extra year or something like that. Um, with that being said, I, I, I'm going to try to lay the points here with Georgia and just say it, it just Georgia's just too good on both sides of the ball. I'm going to go with Florida. I, I don't think they're very good. The LSU game kind of gives me pause a little bit. Um, but I think they play super hard for Napier. This is a rivalry game. I think I don't love Anthony Richardson, but I think he does enough offensively to keep this within the 22 points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way and I'm gonna take the points here. But if Georgia is as good as we think they are, and you know we haven't really seen them impress in a few weeks, right? They they destroyed Oregon, destroyed South Carolina to start the year, and then it's really just kind of been slogging by. I mean, they handled Auburn in the second half, but that game was you know 17-ish points for most of three quarters. I will say, dating back to last year's game, I remember. Florida was on the outs. Like, Dan was kind of the beginning of the end for Dan Mullen. And it was like a three-to-nothing game with, like, four minutes to go before halftime. It was a huge lawn. I don't remember what it was. I think I had had Florida in Neil's picks. And it was three-to-nothing about to go in the locker room. I'm like, all right, they're playing pretty hard. I'm sitting pretty here. And then that's when I figured out the Georgia um, defense is a different breed of citizen. They went fumble, touchdown, interception, touchdown, pick six and it was 24 to nothing before halftime within about I think about three and a half minutes of game time all off turnover after turnover after turnover so I guess if Georgia's that good again this will be a prove it game for him but I'm going to take the points and Skybox is taking Florida as well so they're lay uh they're on the plus 22 let's keep it rolling with a couple more SEC games before we get out of here Missouri South Carolina I know everyone's got their uh calendars marked for this one 
Uh, the anticipation is high. South Carolina getting a little love in the polls. Uh, at least one poll has them ranked 25th because ESPN's got that number by their name. They're 5-2, and 2-2. Two, two and two. Shane Beamer takes advantage of a disastrous A&M team last week. They get, return the opening kick for a touchdown. They get an early turnover. They basically get up 17 to nothing and held on for dear life. A&M outgamed them by like 300, or about 150 yards in this game. But, you know, final score is the only thing that matters. All of a sudden, this South Carolina club, who I don't think is very good, is 5-2 and two with Mizzou, Vanderbilt, Florida, and Tennessee, and Clemson left on their schedule. They got a chance to get to eight wins, an outside one, albeit. So they're sitting in a nice spot here. Mizzou beats Vanderbilt last week. Mizzou, I don't know what to make of them. I don't know if they're horrible. I don't know if they're average. Like you could argue they could have and should have beaten both Auburn and Georgia. Couldn't get over the hump against Florida. I just don't know what to make of them. This is a gross line to me. It is South Carolina minus three and a half. Which way are you going here? I'm gonna uh I'm gonna be a locker and I'm gonna lock South Carolina. This will be Ooh. my first lock. I, I mean you know, uh, you know, you just said it last week. You know, out uh, A&M outgained South Carolina, and but yet, you know, they win the game. Uh, I would love to win ugly, you know, and it doesn't matter how you win as long as you have more points than the other team. Um, I like Beamer. I mean, I think that uh, he's a perfect fit for South Carolina, and you got to have one of those teams that just do it ugly, and uh, he does it. So I, I like South Carolina. I, I don't see why they can't win by ten points here. I like Beamer, too. You know, Weldon kind of p- pokes at him a little bit on the podcast because apparently some people think that's a shtick, but it, like, seems at least more real to me. Maybe I'm just being duped. I don't watch a ton of Shane Beamer press conferences. I like him, too, but I'm actually going to take Missouri here because I think they've been really close in a lot of these games. It's probably going to come back to bite me. But the thing I'm worried about is a team that's 5-2, and two, kind of reading their press clippings, feeling pretty good about themselves, that's not not actually that good, is going to have that WTF game to where Mizzou's up 14-3 to three second quarter, and you're like, how did this happen? Like, you guys beat A&M last week. I'm wary of that. I don't love this line. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. This, to me, would be a stay away, but I'm going to go with Mizzou there. But Skybox agrees with you. Skybox is on South Carolina for sure, minus 3.5. That'll be an interesting game. Um, I'm not sure how much of the main TV treatment that we'll get from the Rippy household this weekend, but I'll have it on. I'll uh, have the uh, antennas raised at least a little bit. Let's go to the uh, back to the Big Ten. Jim Harbaugh and his milk taking it to, um, I think this is at Michigan State. It's Michigan, Michigan State. You know, a while back, Michigan State won this game like every year, um, and it was kind of flipping the rivalry a bit. Not really the case anymore. That program's fallen off. They gave Mel Tucker a gigantic contract for like, you know, a good nine-week stretch which uh, doesn't seem to be a great return on investment there. It is – no, excuse me, this game is in Ann Arbor. I said that wrong. And it is Michigan minus 21 and a half. Um, I'll go ahead and lead this one off. I don't think Michigan State is very good. They did have a nice win against Wisconsin last week. That was pretty surprising to me. But they lost to Maryland. They lost to Minnesota, non-competitive. They lost to Ohio State. And they lost to Minnesota. Um excuse me, in Washington, I think I already said Minnesota. I just, I don't think they're very good. I don't enjoy watching them. And I think Michigan's got real, real defense and plenty of offense to back it up. I'm just going to lay the points here and take Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I would like to agree with you, but it's just something about the, these rivalry games and just a bunch of points and just that sort of thing. And, and going to a complete opposite of the Florida-Georgia game. But I'm going to go Michigan State. Um, I remember 
what was it? It was one of the years where Michigan was up by like four points and they were punting the ball. And 2015. Was a- I was going to get to this next. I'm glad you got to it. I'll never forget where I was watching that game. I feel like that doesn't get enough pub for like crazy endings of all time. That was one of the – I mean, it was a walk-off. Yeah, it was a walk-off punt. I mean, punt recovery for a touchdown, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So there's like – to set the scene, there's somewhere around nine seconds left. They Michigan did have to punt it because of the clock situation, but that's really all they had to do. I guess they could have taken a just knee. Just get the ball. Just like get the ball off. Yeah, exactly. I guess they could have taken a knee and taken a risk at Michigan State throwing it one Hail Mary, but the punt's not the wrong move. The punter literally just drops the punt. It's almost like something out of a movie. He stumbles around, can't pick it up. A Michigan State guy picks it up. A Disney movie. A Disney movie. But, the yeah, the, the problem is with that is, is once he picks it up, there's like four seconds left, so he has to get into the end zone or it's over. Like, there's no time to run another play. And then he gets through, like, two guys, has a couple blockers, and then gets the end zone. And then that kid had a serious, like, waist or hip injury um, as he got into the end zone. I think he was out for the rest of the season after that. It was one of the craziest things I've ever watched. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I just uh, that comes up to my head every time because I remember seeing – uh, they go to Michigan fan with, you know, his mouth open and the, the uh, surrendering Cobra uh, look. It was kind of kind of hilarious. It was almost like, you know, like you were saying, couldn't believe it, how it happened and how it ended like that. So, like I said, it was like a Disney movie, you know, like uh, they, you know, people pretend like they're uh, tripping and the guy gets the shot off or something like, you know, and it goes in. But, yeah, what a wild and crazy one. But. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm going Michigan State because there's been some wild and crazy stuff going on. But probably Michigan's going to win 55 to 10. Skybox is on Michigan State. They're agreeing with you. So they're riding with you on that one. we got two more college games to get to real quick. Arkansas-Auburn. Arkansas, minus four on the road at Auburn. Auburn had another flurry of transfers this week. That program is just – I mean, you're basically running out the string. It's a completely untenable situation. I don't think Harson's absolved the blame. I don't know how good he's done uh, the job or bad. I don't think he's recruited particularly well. But the guy's been knee- like cut off at the knees from the moment he took the gig. With that said, they haven't quit yet. And maybe this is the week that it happens, another wave of transfers. It's finally just too much. But they're coming off a bye. It's Arkansas minus four. I hate this line, but I got to say, I'm going to take Auburn here. Um, I think Arkansas's secondary kind of stinks. I don't love the defense as a whole. It's on the road. And, again, I haven't seen Auburn quit yet. So I'm going to roll with them here. Maybe that's a terrible idea, but I, I'm going to take them here, and I hate this line. Just like yeah, I agree with you. That's, it's a terrible line. And um, and when you say waves of transfer, like uh, like five, six, seven players at a time? I believe or? it was at least four more this week. Four more this week? So how many overall? Like more than t- double digits? I don't know how many total, wow. uh, to be honest, but they've had it throughout the year where I feel like every time he has a press conference now, it's like, what's up with this guy? He's like, he's no longer with the program. I mean, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's some stuff about how he's not supposedly like making guys play, like guys want to use a red shirt and get out of there. And he's like, no, like we need you to play. I don't know that situation very well, but that's been happening week after week. Wow. That's a tough deal. And you know, you feel bad for the guy because I mean, I don't think he's a terrible coach. I just he think it's a terrible hire. Yes. It's a terrible hire. I mean, and, and you know, it, it, when are, are these major universities going to hire a coach and let them let the coach coach? You know, you pay a guy a particular dollar amount to coach, and then you want to pay the guy a particular dollar amount not to coach. So, I don't know. I don't know why you hire somebody to want to be in control of it. But, yeah, this line stinks to high heaven. So, 
Uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, KJ Jefferson, you know, kind of like Will Levis just takes a couple hits that he shouldn't take and, you know, just get down on the ground and, you know, uh, you know, live another day. So I, I just think Arkansas is a better team overall. And I think it's a better situation. So going to go with the better situation and the better uh, coach. And I, I, I like Sam Pittman. So I'm going to go Arkansas. Skybox agrees with you. They are on Arkansas as well. Now to the finale here for the college ranks. Ole Miss, minus one and a half in College Station. This game's been around two and a half, one and a half all week. Um, it hasn't really moved in Ole Miss's favor despite AM having the suspensions, dude smoking pot in the locker room. That whole situation, I don't put a ton of stock into that, into the game's line movement. I know they have a bunch of freshmen suspended. I do put stock in the fact that I believe two offensive linemen are out for the year on a team that was already kind of thin up front. If Ole Miss is a good football team this year, they win this game. That's pretty simple. That said, this line stinks to high Evan. I, I'll give the Rebels the benefit of the doubt for one more week. You know, with all the problems A&M has, they're going to start the five-star freshman Weigman or however you say his last name um, this week. They can run the ball for all their struggles, and Ole Miss hasn't proved they can really stop anyone with the pulse running the football outside of some moments against Kentucky. I say moments. They handled that game pretty well. That's not totally fair. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If Ole Miss is a good football team, they win this game, and I think they do it. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, like, look, man, I, I, I don't know uh, how many Ole Miss fans have jumped off the ship because of the loss last week in Baton Rouge, um, which is crazy for me. Um, Lane Kiffin's still the coach. The You know, the uh, – the uh, the program's going in the right direction. You know, we're, you know, we we had a bad miss the second half in Baton Rouge. When is uh, that happens to a lot of teams? And we have taken some really good teams down to Baton Rouge and lost. So it's uh it, it is what it is. But yeah, I think they just move on. Um, that you know they 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 had a couple guys that were hurt that didn't play last week that you know uh, probably might have made a difference. I don't know. I just think Ole Miss is in in a better spot and they're a better program. You know, maybe that they should win this game by two touchdowns easy, but it's hard to go on that road in the SEC. And, you know, maybe Texas A&M is a different team at home, but I just think uh, Ole Miss somehow, some way gets it done. Skybox agrees as well. They are on the Ole Miss Rebels, and I'll give out the free plays before I forget. Their college free plays are Arkansas State plus 12.5, Penn State over under 60, and then a bonus free play that they already included in the picks, Kansas State minus 1.5. So, hint, hint there. Sounds like they love – the uh the Wildcats there in Manhattan. Skybox dropping off. We're now gonna get, as the great Mike Princess has said, uh to the league where they uh play for pay. It is the NFL week eight. Um, let's see, what do we got here? I need to pull this up real quick, make sure I have the lines correct. Kind of in the uh the heat of the bye weeks in the NFL. Got a lot of teams on buys, saw a little bit of a lighter slate, particularly in the late window last week, but some good games. We will start – let's just do the London game. We'll start in London. Jags-Broncos. Congrats, Brits. You get the best we have to offer in terms of the American football product. The Jags are basically just like London West um, at this point. It is Jacksonville minus two and a half in uh, London against Denver. Uh, Russell Wilson apparently did high knees and stretches the entire plane ride. I, I, the Russell Wilson thing, I don't really have any more comment on. It's just, yeah, the guy's weird. Seems like he's kind of tough to be around. Um that's the dude, like, in your crew that if he peels off and gets distracted at a bar, you, you're not waiting on him to go to the next one if everyone decides to make a move. I'll put it to put it mildly. Um, this is a disgusting line. I'll let you lead off. Jacksonville oh. minus two and a half in London. 
Yeah, I'm just going to go – well, honestly, I think the under's the play, which uh, I think the under's hit every game so far, which that means the over's probably the best uh, play here. 39 I, and a I, half, by the way. Oh, God. I mean, can you imagine waking up early to watch this game? Um, no, I'm not going to wake up early. Well, I work up early anyway. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Jacksonville just because, like you were saying, uh, it seems like they're the – the uh, the London Jaguars uh, there. Uh, so I'm going to go with the London Jaguars. I'm just not taking Denver against anybody. I hate watching them. I hate watching that offense. I literally hate everything about having to watch the uh, Denver Broncos. And they're on, they've been on primetime a lot, which has probably made it a little worse. You know, last week you and I were dead on about the Giants Jaguars thing. There was a ton of public money on the Giants. We couldn't figure out why the line didn't make sense. It was Giants plus three. But you know what ended up happening? I mean, I guess we find a uh, blind squirrel finds another every now and again. That's a close game in the fourth quarter. And guess what? The team that found a way to win a bunch of close games won. And the team that has invented ways to lose this year lost. We were kind of spot on on that one. I will trust Jacksonville this week. I'm going to take them just it has nothing to do with Jacksonville. I still think they're a talented team that just does a bunch of dumb stuff. I, I'm just not doing the Broncos. I'm out on that. Yeah, it's almost like kind of like the Jets and the Falcons and the uh, Lions uh, a couple years ago. Dallas Cowboys. In uh, in Dallas, they're hosting the Chicago Bears. It is Dallas minus nine and a half. They, had a, uh, they were a touchdown favorite against Detroit last week. I think a lot of people like Detroit. I'm not going to fall into that trap again. I'm just going to take the Cowboys here, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Bears had a really impressive win on Monday Night Football, one of the strangest football games I've seen in a long time in terms of the outcome. I just couldn't believe Bill Belichick, young quarterback at home, just gets absolutely clowned by one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, that You just don't see that happen very much. I'm going to take Dallas because I think there's probably going to be some overvaluing of the Bears after that win last week. That's really my only logic for it. Yeah, I'm going to go with you uh, with the Dallas. Uh, I, you know, like you're saying, I'm – well, what a what a uh, weird uh, way for Billichak to just get steamrolled on public TV and uh, on Monday night. So, um, yeah, I just think with Dak back, uh, you know, uh, the Cowboys are in a good spot. You know, um, Cooper Rush, you know, rode the ship for him, and you know, at least was over five hundred until Dak got back, and Dak's back, and who knows with the Cowboys, and that's going to be a really interesting division with the Eagles playing the way they are. And so, I'm gonna go with the Eagles with you. I mean, uh, the Cowboys with you. Saints Raiders in New Orleans, 12 o'clock kickoff. It is uh, Saints plus one and a half. I hate to do this to you. I really do. But I've just – the Saints have looked like a poorly coached disaster of a football team this year. Uh, apparently, Jameis is healthy now, and they're still just rolling with Andy Dalton. I don't love that. And the Raiders are two and four, but the Raiders are, like, good. Uh, they have a ton of good talent. Josh Jacobs is running healthy again. That's the team that's just gotten off to a terrible start despite being a pretty good team. If they finished 10 and 7 and made the playoffs despite starting what uh 1 and 4, that wouldn't shock me. They get a win over the Texans last week. I'm going to lock the Raiders here. I just if you give me Derek Carr versus Andy Dalton, I'm taking Derek Carr every day of the week. I just I haven't loved watching the Saints. I, it's been disappointing that uh you know Dennis Allen was a disaster when he was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. I know he was a good defensive coordinator, but that felt like not wrecking a Ferrari with all the talent the Saints have had on defense. And the defense hasn't been good this year. I'm just, I'm not even a Saints fan. I've just been disappointed watching them. Yeah, and I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna lock the uh, Raiders too. I wow. just, uh, you're low on your Saints. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm all about uh, hiring the right coach, and I just don't think Dennis Allen was the right hire. And um, you know. Um, 
it's not going to, maybe it's not going to work out too long. And, you know, I don't know how short his leash is, but you know, you got to do something. And, um, I like you were saying, uh, Andy Dalton versus, uh, Derek Carr. I think I'm know who I'm going to take when that uh, matchup too. So regardless of how noisy it is in the dome and how good that home crowd is, um, I just think the, the, uh, the saints just don't have it this year. And it's almost, uh, looking like a full on rebuild. We're going to stay in the NFC South, and I'm going to throw something out to you. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter yet, but it's, it's it might blow your mind. We got uh, Panthers, Falcons. Pa- it is Falcons minus four. Falcons just kind of ran out of gas last week against the Bengals. They were injured. They got down in the game early, and that was kind of one of those Joe Burrow, this offense is back game. Although now Jamar Chase is out four to six weeks with an injury. But be that as it may, it is Falcons minus four at home against the Panthers, the winner of this game is in first place in the NFC South. No kidding. I mean, Lord. I mean, uh, the Panthers fired uh, their coach and traded Christian McCaffrey. They're tanking. This game is in for, for first place. Whoever wins this game, the two weeks after firing their coach, the Carolina Panthers, who won as a 13 point underdog against uh, Tampa Bay, who looks like a, just a shell of themselves, this is for first place in the NFC South. Wow. Um, well, w- when you mentioned first place in Atlanta, uh, just because the Braves have uh, won the national champ, I mean, won the uh, the uh, World Series, uh, I don't feel like um, that town is uh, still over over it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go Carolina Panthers. I don't know why. I kind of want to as well, but I've actually sneaky like watching the Falcons, right? Last week was the first week all year they didn't cover a spread. Arthur Smith has probably got to be in the running for the coach of the year uh, with what he's been able to do with kind of a banged-up offense. They haven't had Cordero Patterson in a while. Uh, That's hurt the all-fantasy team. I'm going to go Falcons, but I'm kind of with you. I don't love them in this spot. I like the Falcons as the plucky underdog that backdoor covers. Carolina's defense is really, really good. I just don't know if I trust P.J. Walker. They won that game on defense last week. So I'll go with the Falcons. But honestly, part of me might be rooting for Carolina because it would just be absolutely hilarious for them to be a first-place division. Yeah, and, and who's the coach? At, I mean, who's the interim coach at Carolina? The interim is Steve Wilkes, the uh, defensive coordinator who, um, if you remember, he's – I mean, coaching. I love him because he literally kicked a guy off the team and he got traded the next day. I mean, like – I like that too. He seems like a I'll, good dude. I like that style. I'm he never really got wild. a real shot in uh, Arizona. He got he got he was the head coach for a year, and then they canned him, went away from Josh Rosen, hired Kingsbury, that whole thing. So I hope he gets another shot to keep the job. He seems like a good coach and kind of got screwed the first time. So whatever. I mean, I'll I'll, like I said, I'm going to root for Panthers. I'll pick them. Why not? Yeah. Who cares? I, I mean, like I said, I, I, you, you you like the guy's style. I mean. um, uh, was it Anderson? What's his first name? Yeah, Robbie Anderson. Apparently just was miserable there the whole time. He was being a real pain in the ass. Gets into it on the sideline. He's like, you know what? You're out of here. Kicks him off the sideline. And then guess what? It, where he is the next day? Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, and and, and I think that's how it should be. And I think a head coach, regardless of uh, if it's an NFL or whatnot, you know, you get rid of the – I mean, I hate to say cancer, but you get rid of the cancer of the team and the team uh, actually performs and, you know, does a lot better because – you know, there's a guy in his spot that's willing to, you know, be a team player or whatnot. Maybe Robbie Anderson wasn't a team player, and that's why he got rid of, rid of him. But I, I like the I, I like the culture at, at the Carolina Panthers, so I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. And I'm going to lock it. How about that? I'll add the lock. We're big on the Panthers this week. I just uh, convinced myself to switch my pick. Here's a weird one. The Battle of Pennsylvania. Eagles, Steelers in Philly. It is Eagles minus 10 and a half. 
The Steelers won as double-digit underdogs two weeks ago against the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. They were seven-and-a-half-point underdogs and nearly stole that game uh, on Sunday Night Football against the Dolphins last week. This, I don't know what to make of this. I'm just going to lay the Eagles here. I have no feel for this. Pittsburgh plays really tough because Mike Tomlin's a really, really, really good coach. But they just – they don't have any talent. I mean, that's one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I I just – particularly without T.J. Watt, I I don't know. I have no feel for this. I'll take the Eagles, but this is a stay away to me. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a stay away also. But, you know, the Eagles are real sneaky good, and the Steelers are real sneaky bad, so which then means that could be – that could turn out to a blowout and it could turn out to a bad game. But it's the NFL, and don't doubt the professional athlete, but – I'm going to go with the Steelers. I'm going to go with the points here. Okay. I mean, hell, the, the underdogs are hitting really well as they have in the NFL for the last, like, four years running, and that's a ton of points. Lions, Dolphins in Detroit. I, I'm done with the Lions. Like, you know, seven points underdogs last week against Dallas. They're in that game until they decide to turn the football over five times. I thought they were kind of the plucky, fun team. Now they're just an annoying team to me. I like Dan Campbell. He's a nice guy. But that's just a, at some point you are what you are. That's a poorly coached football team. They're plus three and a half at home this week against the Miami Dolphins. At the same time, this is a really, really weird spot. I, I'm going to take the Dolphins, but I don't love them in this spot. I just – the Lions have annoyed me. Yeah. And and – and I think uh, a, a lot of Lions fans can agree with you that they've been annoyed for a long time. Um, yeah, that organization is just hopeless. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions here. I mean, they just uh, – maybe they're a different team at home. Um, I picked up um, – I think it was Josh Reynolds on the waiver wire, and he was one of those um, uh, wide receivers to start, and I think he had one catch yes, last week. So, uh, despite that, I'm going to go with uh, Detroit just because of the home dogs. Vikings Cardinals. Here's a gross one. It is in Minnesota. It is Vikings minus three and a half at home. I will throw out a stat. I don't have it in front of me. I tried to try to find it while we were getting to this game, but I I couldn't. Apparently, Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray have a ridiculously good record as road underdogs. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a very, very good record. They're plus three and a half here. Talk about another annoying team. Just the Cardinals are like a functioning train wreck where like it's not great to watch, but their record's still okay. I'm going to take them here because I don't trust either one of these teams. They both have decent records, but I don't think either one of them is particularly good. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here just because I don't well, – I mean, if you give me Kirk Cousins versus Kyler Murray, I'll probably take Kyler Murray. So that's pretty much my logic there. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty decent logic. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is uh, – I mean, how many times has he wet the bed? especially on uh, on primetime, but he's pretty decent, you know, uh, outside. I mean, they're 5-1 and one this year, right? They are. They have a great record. They got a com- pretty decent roster. I just – I don't know how good they are yet. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I just – I don't know why. I'm just uh, – we're just going to go with the Vikings. I, but I think uh, I, I think I might get burned on the hook here. Pats, Jets in New York, the 5-2 and two. New York Jets going up against the New England Patriots. This is a series that ever since Belichick's got there, as uh, they've dominated the Patriots have. He hates the Jets organization. I forget what the backstory is there, but he just absolutely hates them. Always pours it on when he can. The Jets are good, though. They have a good defense. Now, they lost Brees Hall, the sensational rookie running back for the year. I think that's going to hurt. 
I can't believe I'm doing this. This is a trap of all traps, but I'm taking the Jets here. I just think they're better. I think they're better than the Patriots, and I think they're a good football team. I think the loss of Paul will eventually catch up to them, but I think they can survive for a week. I'm taking the Jets here. I'm going to lock the Jets here. Oh. Um, they um, they traded for um, a little scat back from the Jaguars. Robinson? Yeah. So, I mean, not, um, I know that's not, not going to fill the void, you know, but, um, you know, it's another option, and – Man, for some strange reason, it's just um, uh, the Jets and all these bad teams that used to be bad. They're actually you're you're scratching your head, and they're like, "How how are they good?" But I, I like I said, I like uh, I like the defensive side of the ball, and uh, you know who who knows? Uh, maybe Belichick it, it, uh, doesn't have answers. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Jets, and I like it. I'm gonna lock it too. Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, the just lovely AFC South. This game is in Houston. It is the Texans plus two and a half. As much as I like to make fun of the Titans and tell, I would normally tell you this is a classic Titans spit up over themselves, lose an inexplicable game here. They have a good culture. Mike Vrabel is a good coach. That team is really, really banged up, and they just continue to find ways to win a game. They won a huge game to give them control of the AFC South last week against Indianapolis. They just find ways to win games under Vrabel. He's a really good coach, as annoying as the Titans can be sometimes. I'm going to lock the Titans here. I just – I don't think the Texans are good. I like Davis Mills. I think the rest of that roster stinks. I don't necessarily think they're well coached. I don't understand how they use Rex Burkhead as much as they do when they have two good running backs um, besides him. I, I just – I'm not buying the Texans anymore. I'm going to go Titans here and lock it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I like the uh, the tech, uh, the Titans here too. And, uh, hey, what about that new uh, fancy stadium they're going to – they'll be getting in Nashville? And that's in that that's way too far ahead for my brain. It looks awesome. I I would love to go see it when it happens. But twenty twenty six, who knows? We could be nuked by then. Yeah, I you know I I when people ask me, uh, you know, do you ever answer when somebody says ask you how you're doing? Do you do you say living the dream? I have not used that in quite in quite a while. Um, I, that may have been in the arsenal in college a bit. Um, but yeah, I guess I am living the dream as a part-time podcast host and uh, marketing schmuck. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I, I'll, I'm always curious whenever somebody answers, you know, just living the dream, like, wait, which, what is that one? Is that a, is that a good one or a bad dream? You know? Um, so yeah, I, uh, as far as living the dream, yeah, that would be awesome is, uh, living the dream and uh, getting to look at that new Titan stadium. I mean, the pictures look awesome. It does. It does look awesome. Uh, let's go to the late games. Or, or that was a late game. We'll uh, continue on with the late stretch, I should say. It is Seahawks and Giants. Uh, this is the only game in the NFL this week that features two teams with winning records. Uh, if you had week eight, Giants-Seahawks is both of them having winning records. Uh, congrats to you. These are two teams that I really love to watch this year. The Giants are just piecemealing it together, scraping by. They're very well coached. They don't have a ton of talent. But they just continue to find ways to win games, and uh, at some point that has to count for something, right? I mean, what they're six and one, but the the Seahawks, who I think most people thought might be one of the worst three teams in the NFL, are just simply not. Geno Smith is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL this season. He's really good. The Seahawks defense kind of is not talented, but they're getting better with some of those younger players. It is Seahawks minus three. I hate to go against the Giants because they're the scrappy team that continues to find ways. I like the Seahawks. I think they're good. Like the Seahawks are going to get to five and three, I think, after this week. I, I'm taking the Seahawks here. I, I just think they're really good. Yeah, I, I man, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I like the Seahawks too. And uh, you know, each day that uh, that passes, uh, 
they look that deal looks better and better, and uh, their franchise looks uh, better and better each uh, each day that goes by because they've got future first round picks and uh, you know starting tight end uh, in that trade. So uh, you know they they like watching. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel. I mean, I I, don't, I guess the the Boo Birds. Then whenever Russell came out in Seattle, I guess you know are were mad at him for jumping ship. But the people that didn't boo are probably loving life right now. So I like Seattle here. Let's go with them. Yeah, they're probably just laughing. You know, seeing I, I bet the GM of the – John Robinson, the GM of the Seahawks, and Pete Carroll see the report of Russell Wilson doing high knees on the plane, just cracking up. It's like, see, isn't this guy a great time? Have fun. Like, we, we'll take your picks and, and, yeah. and the tight end. And we got Geno Smith, who's been an upgrade at quarterback. It's uh, one of the all-time trade fleeces. So we are both on the Seahawks there. Here's a gross one. The Carson Wentz Bowl. We've got the Indianapolis Colts minus three at home against the Washington Commanders. Commanders find a way to beat the Packers last week. The Packers just stink. We'll get to them in a second. Um, they're three and four. They had Taylor Heineke starting. I don't know if Wentz is playing in this game. I, I would doubt it. And then the uh, the Colts, I don't know if you saw this this week. Uh, Matt Ryan, who's gotten beat to hell as a, like a grade or two like shoulder sprain or something, and they just went ahead and announced they're going to go with Sam Ellinger the rest of the year at quarterback, and Matt Ryan's not going to take another snap for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts barring injury. Uh, it sucks for Matt Ryan. He was really kind of holding that thing together single-handedly, and, I mean, they said in the press conference, like, we haven't lived up to our end of the deal, and, like, we apologize for Matt for that, but we're just going to roll with the young guy. It sounds like the the owner is really kind of getting his hands in the weeds of player personnel, which is never a good sign. I don't understand why they just continue to change up quarterbacks year after year after year. Now they're doing the end season thing. I, I I don't understand any of it. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. He didn't play terribly this year, but whatever. It's any minus three. I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to take the Commanders. Um, I think they're a better defense. I think they're going to prey on that uh, indie offensive line and. I don't know if Sam Ellinger's bad. I don't know if he's good, but I'm just going to roll with uh, Heineke and the Commanders. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go with the Commanders also. Uh, yeah, man, you, know, you, you feel bad for Matt Ryan because he gets traded to a team that has a running back that runs the ball, and, you know, uh, he gets there, and that running back doesn't run the ball, and, you know, it's and he's throwing it. Well, how many times do you throw it? Like 50-some-odd times Two weeks in a ago, game? single-handedly won in the Jags game. Their, their offensive line is a disaster, and it was supposed to be one of the best in the league. That's their problem. Yeah, and, um, man, it's just uh, – it's uh, you feel bad for Matt Ryan because, uh, you know, I feel like he's a good guy. and you know, uh, But, yeah, I, I, head-scratcher for the Colts to, you know, go for um, Phillip Rivers last year and then Matt Ryan this year. I don't know who they're going to trade for. Um, this uh, this next year, some some probably a quarterback that's 35 years old. I don't know. I, I, I'm, but I'm going to go with the commanders with you. The game of the afternoon is Rams 49ers. This is in SoFi Stadium. There'll be a ton of Niners fans there. They didn't really mean a ton. Niners plus one and a half. Uh, excuse me, sorry. Rams plus one and a half at home. This line stinks to high heaven. I don't really get it. I think fully healthy, the Niners are a better team. They really need this game. But on the same side, the Rams do too. They're coming off a bye week at three and three. Like this is a, I mean, if the Niners go to three and five, that's going to be a tough hole to crawl out of at that point in the season. I'm going to take the Niners. I just, I don't like watching the Rams. Stafford's been a terrible guy to have on your fantasy team. They are coming off a bye. So this is a tricky spot. I'll take the Niners and take the bait here, but this stinks to high heaven. Yeah, I I agree with you. This is a tough game to even watch or want to watch, but 
I'll go with the Rams coming off the bye week. Um, is has there ever been a year where both Super Bowl teams didn't make the playoffs the next year? Ooh, I wonder I, if there's ever been a case. I don't know. I mean, I like Cincinnati to get back this year, but to your point, I mean, neither one of them are in the clear yet, so I don't think that's ever happened. I would guess. Oh, I keep on forgetting. Um, the uh, I thought the damn Buccaneers were in the Super. Man, I've I've lost track of time. Your point's so well stated, though. I mean, it's yeah. an interesting thought exercise. I, I don't know. Again, I'll I thought take I thought it was the I thought it was the Rams and and Buccaneers for some strange reason last year. I've, I've you know, I've 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 lost track. Of time. It's early. So, in the morning. Uh, it is. It is. And I and uh, yeah, for sure. I had had my medicine in my system yet. Um, yeah. With that being said, yeah, it's a head scratcher. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Rams off the bye week for some strange reason. Okay, we got the uh, Sunday night football game. Bills-Packers. On paper, I bet Sunday, uh, NBC was pumped about this. Problem is, one of the teams stinks. The Packers have lost three in a row now to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders. I, I would like to know the last time that any team has gone through that stretch in the last 50 years and gone 0-3. It is Bills minus 11.5 in Buffalo. It's the first time, I think, in like a decade, maybe in the Aaron Rodgers era, the Packers have been double-digit underdogs. I don't know what to make of this. I'm going to go with the Bills. I just – I can't – I get it. Like, you probably take the Packers because why in the world would you take the Packers? That's kind of the, how the league works. Double-digit spread, Aaron Rodgers, like, really? But I just think they suck. I'm going to take the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think just sometimes you just, you know, um, don't outthink it and just uh, go with the, with your gut instinct. And Bills are just a better team, playing better football. Regardless of a double digit, you know, uh, being a double digit favorite, just take it because they should win by at least two or three touchdowns. But what Aaron Rodgers is going to show up, I don't know. And it's just uh, tough to, you know, to see, um, you know, a guy that doesn't get support as far as offensive players and then his best offensive player getting traded away. I, I can't blame Aaron Rodgers for wanting to retire. Yeah. Now he's like, I think he's just in effort mode because uh, he's like going on the McAfee show publicly criticizing teammates. It's just not a great situation. Great look. And it's just very jarring to see a team with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback at plus 400 to win a game outright. That's just, I don't know. That's not something we've become accustomed to seeing. So we'll both. Well, uh, you got to give credit to Josh Allen. That's how good of a quarterback Josh Allen is, you know? Yeah. I think they're the best team in the NFL um, bar none there. So, we're on the Bills there. Uh, Monday Night Football, we actually got an interesting one here. It's not the greatest matchup, but it's it's a significant one. Browns-Bengals. The Browns have really just kind of let three or four games get away from them. They are now, what are they, two and five. I mean, they let that Falcons game get away with them. They lost that weird Chargers game. They've lost four in a row after starting two and one. The Patriots clowned them, and then they just didn't have enough last week against Baltimore it is the Browns plus three and a half at home. Bengals will not have Jamar Chase. He's going on IR for four to six weeks. I like the Bengals. I think they figured some stuff out offensively, but I do think that the Chase injury is going to hurt. And this feels like a Browns last stand game. So I'm actually going to lock the Browns here, maybe a little money line action. It's not even necessarily an indictment on the Bengals. I just think the Browns have to have this football game. Monday night, last stand type of thing. I'm going to go Browns. Yeah, and um... – you know, it, losing a big weapon like Jamar Chase uh, is is huge because I mean, you know, the, uh, there's a safety always over him, and uh, you know, helping out on, on double coverage. You know, it, it might make them better because it might free uh, might make the Bengals a little bit better to where 
it frees up the run. I don't know. I, I just think the Bengals are a better team, and um, if the Browns do win this game, that um, that both Super Bowl team uh, not making the team uh, playoffs is in je- is uh, in jeopardy. There we go. So you're going Browns. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to go with the Bengals, but I'm going to go with you on the Browns. I, I I originally think that the the Bengals should win this game, but I'm uh, I, I like the um, the team playing with the well with the most um, desire to win. So I'm, I think the Browns get this done. This has been another edition of Fresh Cuts, Week Eight in the NFL, Week Nine in college football. It's flown by. Have a great time doing it as always. I appreciate the time, my man. We'll holler at you next week, and we will be here. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate making this podcast a part of your day. You'll have a safe and happy weekend. And we'll be back on Sunday with Weldon Rodenberg.